Welcome back or welcome to the Next Level Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. And as always, we're brought to you by Apex Performance, the only security-focused leadership and development training program in the industry. And I'm super excited today to have uh, another John with me, John Perillo. And um, I've gotten to know John over the last couple months. He's another one of the guys that that I got connected with through uh, the TKG group. And then at GSX, um, we've now had, I think, four different folks on the podcast that have come out of that cohort, which is just fantastic, um, kind of reinforces the value of community um, and the value of what Tim and and Lee uh, and, and the Kindness Games have done. Um, selfless, selfless promotion. Their book is out. Um, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, the Kindness Games. They're at um, the close protection show this week, actually signing copies of the book. So proud of those guys, but, uh, so appreciate what they did. Appreciate them bringing us together, John. And I'm going to, I want you to start, um, you have like many, a very interesting and unique background of how you got into the security industry. And I'd love for you to share that, uh, with our audience and talk a little bit about your origin story into the industry. Yeah, and and thanks again, John, for having me on. You know, it was it was great connecting with you through the kindness games and and kind of, you know, blossoming our, our relationship that we have uh, and and getting to talk and uh, dive into different topics today, talking about some of the some of the great things around development. Um, where my development came in and where I came into the industry is a kind of a common story. I think I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, um, but I went through. I always had security as kind of a, a side job. Um, it was something that came very naturally to me, especially, you know, while I was in the Marines and, and after I'd gotten out. Um, and it was always kind of a side job to me, and it, I never saw the depth and breadth of it. And so while I was going to school and while I was going to, uh, uh, you know, pursuing a, a business of my own and things like that, I always had security as a, kind of a side hustle um, until it wasn't anymore. And it actually took over being my full-time gig. Um, again, I didn't really think of anything permanent with it, um, until I met, uh, who is now my mentor and my boss, uh, Aaron Lee, uh, who kind of peeled back that curtain for me. And it's one of those situations of where would the security industry be without mentors, right? So he showed me what it is that I was missing out on, what I didn't see, what I didn't know. And he, he did it in a way where he said, here is what the security industry is, and whether you know it or not, you could be pretty good at this. You, you have what you need. Let me show you the ropes, and let me show you how to get started in this industry. And here we are today. So uh, that's how I got into the industry, um, and that's where we are today. Awesome. I appreciate that. And, and you know, the and we'll get into this a little bit more, but, you know, I everybody I've talked to... Um, of significance in the industry. And what I mean by that is those that make impact always attributed to a mentor. There's always somebody or multiple somebodies who gave them their first shot, who, you know, taught them. And, and, uh, and I was having a great con actually speaking to Tim Wenzel. I was, I was on the phone with him last night uh, with a couple other guys, and we were we were discussing a project we're working on, particularly in leadership development and training and some stuff. And um, and the the common theme was almost this this uh, uh, obligation that we felt to 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 help the next generation in the industry um, and make it easier to get there. Um, versus harder, right? I, I think there, there's this um, often you see this in a lot of different places, and whether it's athletics or you know fraternities or all types of different places where there's there's this this necessity to pass on the challenges that we had, this inferred necessity, the challenges that we had uh, to someone to the next group because we had it hard, so they need to have it hard so they understand what it's like, and 
Well, I appreciate the value of tough times make tough people and you can grow through resiliency. That's going to happen in your life regardless. And why, why, why have it, why, why have it manufactured by others for you? So I guess first and foremost, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, acknowledge your mentor, um, as, as, you know, being a significant, uh, positive impact and, 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 and let's start there. You know, what has that done to influence your perspective on impacting and mentoring others because of, of how much that has influenced you? Um, you know, in essence, you know, it sounds like you kind of attribute your success, at least, you know, on ramping into the industry to, to more or less a single individual. So that's huge. You know, does that, prompt you to say, I need to be doing this for others and helping other people and, and making sure I'm paying it back. Absolutely. And, and, and in different ways, right? So um, I will tell you very honestly, there was a lot of handholding. Aaron took very, very good care of me, right? He, he showed me lots of things. He explained uh, the industry. He explained technical things. He explained business. He explained a lot of different things. And that's not necessarily what mentors have to do every single time, right? We're not talking about babysitters. Like, or anything like that. Um, and I honestly think that people should have more than one mentor um, because different people are going to bring different things. And I think that this is something that you and I are going to eventually talk in here as well, which is diversity, hmm. right? So in different aspects about different things. So I do have a, a handful of mentors, but Aaron is the one that got me started and really kicked me down the right path and did a lot of the, uh, we'll, we'll call it uh, first take work, hmm. right? So um, I absolutely try and be out there and I do try and mentor. I am signed up with ASIS as a mentor in their program. Um, and it's because of the importance of it, right? So this isn't something, this isn't a career field that people are going to college for and they can ask their professors about it. This isn't a, uh, an industry that people go to a career fair and decide that they're going to do. This is something where everybody has a unique story and how they got into it. And it usually involves exactly like you said, knowing somebody and having somebody reach out their hand about it. Mm. And it's something that's really unique to the industry. And it's something that is very evident and because we do kind of all take care of each other. And that's one of the things I think is best about the industry. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, well, let's, let's shift gears here a bit. We, we may come back to this, to this topic uh, in some form or fashion, but you and I spoke a number of times now and, and you introduced this concept to, to me that I fell in love with the way you put it. Um, called the shield and the spear. And and I'm I'm not I'm not even going to preface it cuz I want it to come through your words cuz I think the way that you introduce it is fantastic. But tell us you know kind of what does that mean the 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 kind of the origin of it kind of how that framework came to be developed and and how you use it um you know almost I see it as like a leadership ethos for you. Uh, in, in the way that you operate and, and, and even more so maybe the way you've, you've designed your organization um, and, uh, and apply it both as an individual and, and as a team. Absolutely. So, um, so the concept of shields and spears really has to do with personal development, right? So, and it's not beholden to security, but it is incredibly evident in security, which is where as you progress, and as you develop yourself, which you will, as long as you are not in a toxic environment, and as long as you are continuing to invest in yourself in some sort of method, whether it's reading books or taking courses or doing something, um, even just going to conferences, uh, you will continue to develop and you will continue to add additional skills. What we're talking about is what your, your goal is, right? So if you can imagine kind of like a graph with a distribution curve um, where your x-axis is actually different areas, right? So different focus areas. And in the security industry, these could be things that we're trying to develop. So it could be emergency preparedness procedures. It could be uh, physical security design. It could be executive protection. It could be uh, risk management uh, and risk consulting. There's all of these different fields that fall under security. And how you develop with those, your ultimate goal will either be to look more like a spear or more like a shield. And that is the same across many, many industries. But it's important to understand the difference here and the fact that this can change, right? So a shield is somebody who is broad, they're, they're generalists, right? So they're broad across a bunch of different fields. And they understand the big thing with here is how things connect. 
and that they have a very good sense about a lot of the industry, right? And so those are gonna be your end users and your uh, overall general consultants and things like that. Um, and then you also have spears, which are people that are very, very focused in one areas and they're specialists, right? So like with uh, TSCM, somebody could uh, be very, very, very specialized in that area to very, very great lengths. And they will continue to develop in that area because that is what interests them. The most important thing about this is understanding that both are important, both have future growth, they have career potential, they have, uh, this is how we want to see our future selves. This is where we want our career to grow, right? And it's important to know that you can change this. So you can try to be broad uh, and go across a bunch of different areas, but if you find an area that you really bite on, something that really clicks for you, you can specialize in that area. And, it, and likewise, right? So you can be a specialist, but want to continue to be a little bit more broad so that you can explain how your specialty plugs into overall departments, right? So, but what we're talking about here is the ultimate goal and where you're trying to find yourself and see yourself down the road. Yeah, and when that really resonated with me um, in our conversation, that, because I... I fluctuated over time. And I think, you know, intentionally, um, and as starting out as a spear saying, I'm going to be really focused on, you know, personnel security, kind of that, that, that people leadership and management. Uh, and then, um, but it was actually mentorship that as I reflect upon it, where I had a great mentor who said, you got to learn a little bit more about the technology. Fine. I'll learn a little bit more about it. Right. So it kind of like, was bending my spear a little bit and saying, you need to learn a little bit more and be more well-rounded. Well, okay. And then, and then that kind of got me to my, and I love that. I, the, the visual of, of the graph, right. Cause you could see like, you know, I, I envision my shield getting larger over time, right. In the beginning, like I, I might have a pretty tall spear in one place and then my shield's very low. So I'm, 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 I may be wide, but I'm very, my depth is very low. Um, cause I'm learning a little bit about everything and maybe, and I would say like, you know, people might have different thoughts on this, but I think early in our careers, it might make more sense to go deep in one area and become a spear and then, and then start to widen out. Um, I know in my case, learning kind of general, like risk management frameworks, allowed me to expedite my growth in other areas because they were those those frameworks were broadly applicable across multiple um areas of security so i didn't have to relearn those every time and as i as i like started to add spears even though they were you know maybe tiny spears and i decided hey i'm, I'm interested in this i'm like business continuity i'm gonna go deep here because i don't know anything about that and at the time i was kind of building out towards all right, what are the domains that are a part of the CPP? That was kind of my, you know, three to five year vision at the time. All right, I need to add spears in these areas. And then eventually, you know, uh, that, that'll become at least one version of the shield. And then, all right, now I'm interested. I want to go really deep. In, I spent a couple of years doing, you know, all in on PPS, on, on uh, you know, uh, physical protection systems, technology, got my PSP and really leaned in there to become the subject matter expert in my company when it became a security technology. Um, and then I was like, okay, I think I got that now what's next. Right. And so um, it does, you know, one of the, the, um, the uh, essential habits of next level leadership that I talk about in my training is a growth mindset. And I think that, that, you know, this lends itself to that, where even if you are going to say, I really like executive protection is my jam. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Um, that's still a pretty huge domain and you can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in within that, that, that overarching domain of EP, um, you know, or even if you said, I'm going to work on defensive tactics and, and, you know, uh, like you said, like the, um, the other, the other, you know, different segments and, 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 uh, maybe subdomains, right? Like there's so much there. And, and again, this isn't, necessarily unique to our industry but our industry is what we know so it's, you know we're that's what we're talking about here but um no it's it just the framework that you put in is fascinating um now when 
let's 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 talk about how this impacts the construction of a team and and mm-hmm. how you may apply these concepts for um for for managing and leading an organization, not just internal resources, but you know, maybe you know what type of consultants you're using, vendor management, like all that kind of stuff. Is this something you could also apply? Like we we were talking about personal developing yourself, but developing a team. Would this work? The same kind of concepts work with putting that putting a, a security team together. Absolutely. So, and it's one of those things that you know, in in my interview process, I really try and uh, capture is is this person a specialist or are they more of a shield, right? So uh, because I work as an end user, um, I'm looking more for shields, but I don't want that perfect dome shield on every single person. Mm. I still want to play to their strengths and I still want to see what it is that they look for. Um, You know, depending on the position, they may need to be more developed in some areas. And then depending on the position, they could be less developed in certain areas. Um, it depends on what the vendors are that they're going to manage. It's going to depend on if they have a specialty within that. Um, but what I can absolutely say is that, uh, if you hire somebody with the same shield, right? So if my entire team has the exact same, um, development, right from top to bottom, that's, it's an okay team. It's good that they have that development and it's good that they have all of that, but you're lacking the ability to flux and flow with things. Right. Um, and you're, you're not going to be as successful uh, at tackling new threats. Um, so, and that's one of the things that we really, we've really been talking a lot about lately in other conversations, conferences, panels, things like that is the way of tackling the, the threat of the future is, is actually diversifying. Mm. Um, and that's diversifying technologies, that's diversifying people, that's diversifying everything that you're using to try and control that risk because you need a lot of different tools in, in, your, uh, in your toolbox. Yeah, it's such a good point. I think, you know, it's we we as leaders and there's there's you know research that I've that when I when I was an end user and we would um uh we would get trained, you know, this isn't security training, it was like human resources and 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 uh uh professional development training on uh uh implicit bias. We tend to want to hire people who are like us. And it's not necessarily look like us, right? I'm not going out and hiring, you know, a bunch of you know middle-aged white men. I have a ten humans have a tendency to be drawn towards people who who act like them. So I may look at their background and be like, they went to a do they have a criminal justice degree? Do they and you know, do they have a certification? Do they do they talk about the same things? Do they have the same things? Because um it's comfortable to have people that you have a lot of common with. That leads to a team that can only do one thing, well, which is super dangerous, I think. And 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 um, the 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 inadvertent risk we create by not having a team that has a wider breadth of like intellectual and and diversity and and capability. I, I don't think we talk about that enough. Of of if you know if we all you know I I see this in in. When I was a consultant, I'd see it all the time with with groups that I would uh, consult with. They might be a former Secret Service agent, and he'll go out and hire all Secret Service agents who are great at personal protection. They're great at executive protection. Uh, the reason why I even had a job is because they didn't know really a lot about security management or the business. And they didn't know anything about technology. So I didn't mind it because it was a great client for me. However, mm-hmm. if they would have thought about constructing there and, and this one client I have in mind, actually, all of those former law enforcement agents di- just didn't enjoy it because it wasn't what, what they thought it was going to be like. Um, and and they're not there anymore. But the one guy who was actually a quote unquote security guy, he's still there and he's intentionally brought on people um that aren't like him. And right. and that is something that very conscious actions, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's where I see this as like, if you can be self-aware of your shield and spear persona, right? I think I I was talking about this um, in a recent podcast about how I, when I was an end user, I was very um, uh, weary of using consultants or or outside vendors outside of my um, uh, integrator and, you know, my standard uh, technology providers, right? Access control camera, that kind of stuff. Um, and guard services, because man, I, I was a security expert. I was hired for this. Um, so 
you know, if I bring in somebody to help me, then what am I here for? Um, then I, I, I kind of looked around and realized supply chain, engineering, HR, every other function was using, was paying Deloitte hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to tell them everything to do. And I'm like, well, you know, well, why, why? I know I didn't know a lot about executive protection. I didn't know a lot about um, certain types of technologies and things. And why don't I just, you know, instead of me trying to become an expert in, you know, a month, which I couldn't find somebody I could bring in and do that. So what do you, what are your thoughts on not just having this as a framework, but I'd imagine there's like a self-awareness, self-analysis that one can do and say, where are my strengths? Where are my team's strengths? Where am I best at? Where are they best at? And 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 how do I augment that with either external services or my next hire or whatever? And, and making this almost like a, you know, a, a reoccurring self-scorecard that one could do. Yeah. And and I think that it's I think that it in itself is kind of the framework, right? So um like I explained to to people, I, I'm not the best person at every aspect of security. My job here is to understand the organization and what their security needs are, mm -hmm. right? And that's me as an end user. That's me as a deputy CSO. Um, that's what my job is. It's not necessarily to know security the best. It's to know how to get those resources and that expertise and all of those different things. Um, some of the, the best money that I've spent has been on consultants, it's not mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to do something, but because I just simply didn't have, uh, the experience, which I have a lot of that the people have, have that I contracted. So I've set up maybe six different security systems, either from scratch or from like a retrofit. Um, I'm certified in lots of, lots of different security systems. First thing I'll hand over to a consultant because these guys are playing in 20 something different systems a week, right? And it's not that I don't know the systems. It's that my job is to put on a world-class system. And I know that mm. I can deliver something that's pretty good, but I know that there are people out there that, that specialize in this. So I'm reaching, I'm holding onto my shield, but I'm grabbing that spear, right? I'm grabbing that person that knows every in and out and every single hurdle that there could possibly be and how we need to set up that framework. And I'm using my spear. Right. And that's why those specialties exist. That's why those industries exist. And it's incredibly important to know that because I can't focus on that while I'm in different meetings every single day, because I will go right from that meeting into a threat analysis meeting. And I will go right from that into a data analysis meeting. I'm all over the place. I do not have the focus for that. Um, it's incredibly important to realize that. Um, once you're honest with yourself about that and you know what it is that your job function is, it's a lot easier to let go. Oh, that, right? It's not that you're dropping the reins. It's just, you've got a loose grip. Sometimes. It's so powerful, man. Cause they, I mean, it's no, as I'm, as we're having this conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm replaying the highlight reel of my end user days and they were super stressful. I didn't get a lot of sleep. I didn't spend a lot of time with my family. And I was in the office all the time. Okay. I, I have a hypothesis that a lot of that was because I felt compelled to do it all on my own, do it all by myself in two ways. One, I felt I didn't want to overburden my team. So I held stuff back because I'm the director there, you know, I'm, I'm paid to do all the stuff. Right. Um, but then I also didn't feel comfortable with, was saying the things I didn't know um, or or asking for help, right? And so this is more than just like, you know, I, I now past that, and even when I was a consultant, I felt the same way, um, which kind of you have to, right? They're paying you for your expertise. So you kind of have to be the expert. You have to be on call all the time. It can be it can be a challenging. I, I have a ton of respect for the for the folks who who do it and do it well. Um, they did it for, for multiple years and and it can be tough. Um I question whether or not that's the only way. And I and I feel confident if someone were to take the framework that you're expressing and apply it to their to themselves and then apply it to their program and then apply it to their organization, they'd sleep more. They'd have more time with their family. They'd be more successful, longevity. They they would not get burnt out. Um, and they, you know, and that's, you know, I, I mean, that I, I feel that like, I, what are your thoughts on that? Does, I mean, this feels like something that, that, that 
could save a lot of time, effort, money, and stress for, for a practitioner. It, it's even better than that. Right. And I, and I've got to say that. So once you learn to do that, you're not giving up control, right? Like mm -hmm. you're still in the driver's seat here. And that's one of the things that's really important to understand. So you still have full control. You still have full ownership. You can pull the plug and do something different at any given time. But here's, here's the, the other word I want to kind of inject in there is rewarding, right? Mm -hmm. So once you get to the point where you can hand it off to experts, you can also hand it off to other people on your team. All right. And you can continue to develop them because now you're getting them exposed to those experts and you're helping them to build their skills and develop their skills. Guess what? They're going to take more ownership in this now. Right. And now we're bringing in those concepts of ESRM with professional mm. development, that little cross button here, because yeah. you're explaining to your team what the risks are. They're understanding how it is that you're trying to control it and they're gaining technical skills. Right. So they're developing at a very fast rate because you're doing this. So it's not only about putting on a good show and being in control of everything. It's about putting on the best program possible, developing your team with it and leveraging your own weaknesses and your own strengths together in order to put this all together. And that is why it's actually really rewarding. Um, it also helps to pay the bills. Hmm. So here's, here's what the backside of that looks like. All right. My team, since we started doing this and since we really started taking this approach, which has been pretty much since day one, um, we have had zero turnover since 2019, all right, all the way down to the newest analyst. Mm. We've had absolutely zero turnover, uh, uh, zero turnover because the team feels involved. They're developing, they are learning new things. They feel like they have a voice and they're, uh, they're having a much more rewarding experience at work. Mm. Security can be incredibly rewarding and it can be an incredibly frustrating place to work. So if you give them the ownership, if you develop them, if you help them to develop their skills, um, it it's rewarding and it helps to keep your department on track. I I love that. I and um, I I feel like and and one thing I know about you to be true in the time we've gotten to know each other is that you subscribe to continuous learning and self development. So you're always, I mean, that was kind of the, the, when, when we first connected, you were like, Hey, you seem to know some stuff that I don't know. And maybe I could teach you. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a discussion based on mutual interest in growing. Right. And, and I, and I really appreciate you and acknowledge you for that and, and admire you for that, because this only works if the person at the top continues to grow, because where I've seen this fail is that if you're continuously, uh, even in even in in good conscience, um, finding opportunities to kind of divest and 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 delegate and grow others, uh, if you're not f intentionally filling your plate back up in the right way, then you stall. The program stalls, and and in my opinion, there can be there can be uh, consternation growing as people go, well, what? If I if we're all doing this work, what's he doing now? The fact is that there's usually enough on top where you could you know your, your schedules because you you've talked about the meetings you have to go to right just the the different stuff you do. But I know and I won't share it on this call, but you and I have a different conversations on kind of the unique opportunities that you get and your team mm -hmm. gets to do because of the business. Um, that also can't happen if you don't free up your time by doing all the things that you've done. And that includes finding the right technology that can automate and, and uh, take care of low value tasks, investing in those technologies in the right way, finding outside service providers who can support you when you need it so that you don't have to, like you may say, all right, uh, you know, we need that one time we had this incident. So we're going to go hire an FTE because we can never afford to have that one incident happen again. And so they just sit on their hands 99% of the time waiting for that one thing to happen versus taking a different approach, right? And so, you know, I, I want to point that out to folks. So it, it is important that it's not about just clearing your plate and throwing it down to everyone under you and saying, I'm developing people. You have to continue development. And, and it doesn't, and, it, and that doesn't have to be a certification. It doesn't have to be, it's like, go learn something completely outside of security. Go learn, you know, how to read a P&L. And, and, you know, go learn something about the business. And that's where I want to, well, first I, you know, 
tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that, because I think it's important and whether or not you do it intentionally or not, you do it. And so if it's intentionally, let's discuss a little bit. And then I want, then I want to make a, a turn and start talking about the business side of things and kind of, you know, how, how that plays into developing a program, like what you've done. So, you know, um, we'll start with that, with like, you know, your growth and how you continue to manage that and the importance of that to make this whole thing work. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's actually really good for military guys, right? So this mm -hmm. is an analogy that we always use in our training, which is every time that you are not training, somebody else is training harder than you, mm -hmm. right? And they use that in the context of the enemy is, is, is mm -hmm. trying, is training harder. Um, and it's, it's a little bit competitive sounding, but at the same time, there are people out there developing threats and, and trying to find ways into things. The whole reason that we are employed, the whole reason that we have a job is because our organization has something of value that they want to uh, keep, yeah. right? That may be a value to somebody else. And whatever that thing may be, it's our job to stay ahead of it. So the more that we continue to develop ourselves, one, um, I think that the best development comes in uh, less formal uh, avenues. Um, as John said, it's one of those things where you, you are the company that you keep. So I choose to have people in my network, in my, in my circle that I can have very intelligent conversations with at a very specific level, because then I can continue conversations throughout whatever uh, company I'm in, right? Mm. It could be incredibly technical. It could be incredibly emotional, right? Like not, not, you know, crying and sobbing, but talking about feelings and how things should be those, those uh, um, soft skills, right? Mm. So um, not talking necessarily about very technical things, but talking about uh, the qualitative aspects of things. Right. So, um, so that's incredibly important to me. I, there's a lot of other areas that people need to develop into as well. And it, I, I kind of call it like a scorecard mm -hmm. where you're playing a bunch of different matches all at once. Right. So you're looking for technical certifications. You're looking for academic certifications and degrees. You're looking for, uh, clearances. You're looking like all these different ways that we have to quantify experience and knowledge. Everybody's chasing it. It's across so many different uh, aspects right now. And we're, we're just constantly trying to stack that up to show, again, this exists both for shields and spears, right? Um, so the more technical your aspect, the more technical certifications you need, right? The more uh, generally you're trying to be, the more academic, the more you're trying to balance this out. Um, and it really depends. But the, what you do need to do is you need to stack that wall as high as you can. Mm -hmm. And um, it it's a challenge, right? So uh you know, we, we have our five-year goals, our 10-year goals, but for the most part, for me, what I look for is the next significant impact, right? Mm. So um, juggling opportunities with, uh, you know, academic performances and things like that. So right now I'm evaluating different schools that I might want to go to for another degree. Um, where does that add value compared to another certification in an area mm. where I'm trying to run myself out into more? How do I define the value? How would organizations define the value? What is the non-tangible assets, right? So um, what aspects of it would make me more competitive either in the job market or more importantly, a value to my current organization, right? What right. do they see would, it, would add value? Um, and it's something that you're, the, the good news is there's plenty of opportunities for it. Um, and it could be deciding to take on a project at work too. So those things are incredible resume boosters, right? Yeah. Um, and experience boosters. So there's a lot of different way, things that we're looking for here. Um, I think that covered your question, right? Yeah. John? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think to, to tie a bow on that, it's, it's basically like how we started the conversation around, you know, having the importance of that growth mindset. And, and you, something I want to pull out of that, cause it'll be a good transition into the next topic is, um, you know, what does the organization value? And how do I match that value? Um, you know, when when I when when I pursued my PSP, for example, we had a gap in technical knowledge at our company. I, I was a you know security manager, and I wanted a, a larger kind of global role, and and so I said I'm going to go learn technology, and then I'll become a global pro program manager and and be able to standardize our technology across. So kind of like put the project together, wrote my job description and said, if I go learn all this and then I'll start doing it. 
you don't have like it'll be part of my current scope of my job. I'm a site manager of one site, but I'll take on the technology for our entire business because no one else knows that no one else is doing it. And I think I can have impact there. So like you said, great next greatest impact. So I I did that. And instead of saying, I can't do what I want here. I need a different job. I need to go something above why I, I built a project around it, scoped out a new job within my company, and within a year and a half had that new job. And then within very short period of time after that, had global security manager, followed by more and more and more and more until, you know, head of uh, of global security and trade compliance um, for the entire business unit. So, you know, that also shows your company an eagerness to grow, a willingness to take on different projects. And along the way, I was the guy who wouldn't say, now, again, I, I will caution that early in my career, half the many of kids that I have now, I had two, then I have four now, different lifestyle. But I also intentionally chose at a young age where it, it, it had less impact on me personally, I could handle it. I, I said no to almost nothing because I knew I couldn't do that forever. And now was the time. Now I say no to everything, not within my company. I work at a startup. I say yes to everything. But in life, I say no to a lot more stuff because I'm 41 years old now and I got a different life and a different, you know, I got 20 years banked in experience and I don't need to say yes to everything. But 18 years ago, it was like stack that wall. Just like you said, now my wall is pretty high. So I don't need to keep stacking stuff, but now I want to go wider. So let's talk about going wider. One of the areas that I think is missing in a lot of places in our industry is collaboration with the business, understanding your business better. I always say you can't protect it if you don't understand it. So how how does this framework uh play with at with, with the non-security part of the business like do you talk about this concept with your with your other functions do you do you inter, introduce it at all to anyone maybe in a different type of language because even though i think the 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 whole concept of shield and spears i love it's so like i the, the first thing that jumps in my mind is like a spartan gladiator um with the shield and the spears and the whole bit like it like like you should trademark that if you haven't already and like there, there's 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 <laughs> you know, greatness of, of, uh, you know, apparel alone, uh, would be fantastic, but how do you collaborate with, you know, the, the non-security part of the organization, um, in order to get the best out of, out of what you're doing? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but I think that one of the most important aspects of it is to find a common language, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, we're already talking about different things potentially, so why talk a different language too, right? And that's one of the things that we really see with our generalists. And, you know, this is one of the things that we talk about a lot, not just you and I, but just the public at large, which is somebody can be incredibly technical and be very intelligent in a certain aspect, but they don't sound smart unless they can make somebody who doesn't understand mm -hmm. any of it understand it because they can break it down very simply, right? And so um, – now that could be a generalist, that could be a specialist. What we're talking about here is communication skills, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very fortunate to be working in an insurance company where our common language is risk, mm. right? So it's a very easy concept for me, but it, I've had to do it in different areas, right? So I've had to do it in an international airport. I've had to do it at public event stadiums uh, or public event venues. I've had to do it at manufacturing facilities. I've had to do it at uh, commercial real estate. Um, it's finding that common language, right? So what is important to that person? Is it that they need to derive a certain value at a certain budget, right? Is it, is it entirely budgetary and, and they're, they're looking for value drive, uh, drives there? How is their budget, right? So are they operational expenses? Are they capital expenses? Which, where do you get more wiggle room, right? So it's those little things where uh, some organizations would much prefer that, they, that your projects be capital, bu uh, capital budgets. Others, you're looking at operational. Uh, budgets and finding out how you can get your little wins, your, your you know, start building your little, your, your little uh, wall here. Um, that's going to show that you can work with the business. It gives you that avenue for conversation, right? Like saying, Hey, I know you're not trying to do things like this. This is something we need to address. And here's a way that I think that we can get this thing through where it's going to provide meaning to you and value to you, but it's going to give me what I need in order to uh, take care of this. 
And that can be a lot of different things. Um, we've been incredibly successful here too, where we've actually even gotten involved with commercial products, mm. uh, things going out to market and helping to provide uh, consulting with that simply because we have been driving that value to the point where we're very approachable from different parts of the business. Um, so communication is absolutely key. I think that that's the, the foundation. You can't talk about security unless you can talk about anything, right? Um, then we can start introducing um, different concepts. The other thing is too, and this is something that's really being pushed you know, over the past 10 years, maybe a little bit longer from a lot of professional organizations is the idea that security is there to enhance the business. It's there mm. to work with the business. It's not there as this separate structure, this silo, this this land of no. It's there as a complement to the business, right? So no matter what, the business is going to incur risk, right? Risk is just the adverse effects of opportunity and businesses chase opportunities, right? They want to make more money. They want to go into new fields. They want to continue to develop. They want to continue to provide value for customers. So here we are to help you hedge your bets, right? So if you take that business first conversation where you're talking about it in a common language, you're going to be very successful and you're going to have, continue to have those conversations where you're going to get a lot more opportunities. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it it is so straightforward and simple. I find us as security practitioners are are um overcomplicated. We when someone asks you what does security do? We should be able to answer that in one sentence. And and I, I I specifically remember the first time I had a really high level a corporate executive. He was a VP of engineering for our entire company. So we were, you know, we were a, a one of like five, four or five business units, and he was from the mothership. Security, you know, we're at so we're at a you know, like a executives came in and I'm at a dinner with them. He asks, so, so security, what do you do? Like cybersecurity? I'm like, no, no, no. Like uh, physical security, you know? Um, and I just stumbled and I was like, like the card readers and the, and, and like, I, you know, he, he was basically like, you know, we, we won't be on videos. People can't see this, but like kind of just floating away from me. <laughs> like you've lost my interest. <laughs> right. Like, just like, I don't understand what you're saying. Um, fast forward a couple years and it was very simple to just say, we make sure everyone's safe every day. They get where they need to go. And our product gets out the door. People look at me like, you you do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what security does. We enable the success of the business. Huh? Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's it. What and they're like, well, tell me, well, tell me how. And then, and now I got you, right? Be more interesting right. than interested or be more interested than interesting, right? You know, like pull them in. And then they're going to be like, oh, wow. Like, well, tell me how you do that. Oh, great. Awesome. We do that by this, this, and this, and this is how we could do it better. And, and because when I, when you tell, when you, instead of saying like, we keep bad people out and we use cameras and we have AI and we, you know, we have metal detectors, we have, we use technology to keep this place safe and blah, blah, blah. Um, all that is true, but it can be neatly tucked under that one macro statement. Um, and no matter who from the janitor to the CEO if you told them that they'd go, awesome. I support that. No one's going to be like, don't do that. Right. Don't. don't. No, it's, and it's perfect for, for several different reasons. Right. So um, one, it's a blanket statement that the individual drives their own meaning. Right. So, and that's one of the things that we're really looking for too. They're going to talk about what they want to talk about after that. Right. So uh, the way that my, my mentor put it was elevator pitches, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have an elevator pitch ready for just about anything because people are going to get to know you as security, especially as uh, you start to work with them and you start demonstrating value. They're going to associate that with you and they're going to just come at you with something out of left field in an elevator or in line at the cafeteria or something like that. They're going to bump into you and your wife at, at some shopping center and say, oh, by the way, really quick. And you have 15 seconds to engage with them to the point where they want to talk to you at length about it, right? So little things like uh, executive protection is nothing more than the fact that different people in an organization carry different impacts and that we need to protect against that, right? Quick 10 second thing. And then they have a completely derived meaning where they're going to associate their values to it, to that statement. And then we can have a longer conversation, right? Um, 
physical protection systems are the technical systems and all the different countermeasures that we put into place that you see on a daily basis to keep our physical locations safe, right? Very simple, very straightforward. It covers a lot of different things, but they're little five-second sound bits, right? That they derive their own meaning from and they have a complete understanding to where they either want to engage with you more or they're all set, right? They had a one, they had a thing and it's, they understand what it means now. Um, it's a skill. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, John, like it is a, it is a skill. It is an art to watch some of these things. Um, but they, they can be incredibly impactful and they can completely change the future of a security department. Well, and just like any skill, it can be learned and improved over time and it requires practice, right? So I, I you know, that's the, we, I used to practice with my team, the 15 second, what does security do elevator pitch? Cause I said, if you never know when you're going to be in the, and you know, what, like we, we, we get asked, you know, how many times have I gone and un, when I was a like entry level security person, unlocked the door of the VP of ops who locked themselves out a lot. I have 15 to 30 seconds of, of his or her time undivided. I want to, I want to mm -hmm. make a pot like that's an opportunity. Nobody else in the company gets for just that moment where you get to open the door and they're going to say, well, what do you do here? It didn't have, no one wants to be that awkward, silent, you know, maybe some, you know, shitty leaders aren't going to say anything to you and, and, and that's fine. Majority of the time you're going to get an opening to leave an impression mm -hmm. and you should practice that. And you should understand what, what, what you're going to say, what kind of impression. I mean, at the end of the day, I think everyone should learn how to sell and not like used car salesmen sell, like empathetic, consultative selling. That's how I see security as a service. You're, we're a service entity and we're selling ourselves because we have to, people have to invest money in us so that we can return uh, on their investment each day. And simply the absence of bad things happening isn't enough. Because Absolutely. eventually when bad stuff doesn't happen for long enough, they go, okay, we're good now stop doing the shit we started doing. So you have to create value. It has to be tangible. And part of that is, is selling the value to as many people as you can interact with. Yeah. And, and again, so I can sit here and I can demonstrate and I can throw every figure at you on what we do and what we, and what I think that the value is, but that has significantly less impact than just simply a fleeting thought in an executive of what their determination of value is, right? So, and that's the big difference is being, it, it's one of those ideas that we have of like being in the room without being in the room. Mm. Like your presence is still there when they're discussing these mm. things. And if you've demonstrated your value in a, in, a, in a way that they understand it, then you don't have to be in the room when security is being discussed. John, you just said right? something that's so important. I want to pull it out and, and hold it up. We, 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 the royal we in the industry, there's complete courses about like, how do I get a seat at the sweet seat or, you know, C-suite or like, I need a seat at the table. You don't need a seat at the table. You just need the people with a seat at the table to be advocates. And you've just expressed very clearly how that's done. Like you don't, you know, some organizations don't have VPs of security. Some don't have CSOs. That's fine. If, as long as you can have the, when, when something comes up, if someone's in the room to say, no, I know John's program, this is valuable. This is what they do. I support it. Boom. That's all you need. And, and then maybe over time you find you're like, is it easier in the room? I don't know. I've been in those rooms, but I wasn't ex accepted in there. I was forced to be in there because that's the way that the organization worked. and. You know, I don't know that I got sick. I learned a lot, so I appreciated the opportunity, but my my project pitches weren't any more smooth because I was sitting in executive review meetings. You know, it would probably be easier, you know, if, you know, me as, as a 30-something, you know, sometimes half the age of people in the room, like it might have been better if there wasn't a baby face associated with this project that was being reviewed, if it was just like the <laughs> omnibus, you know, entity of security. But I, I just wanted to call that out, John, because like that is a excuse that we've used for decades. Well, I just can't, you know, they won't, they won't, they won't put, I, none of us are executives. So what do we do? Get the executives to be it, advocates. It, get the executives be, to be advocates, get them to believe in your program, get them to believe in, in what it is that you're trying to do. And at the end of the day, remember that you're not the person that's trying to do it. The organization is right. 
I will tell you that even in the most successful programs, there's still going to be conversations where we wish that we were in the room for those. But also understand that not every conversation is going to have security in it. And a lot of the time that is because they may not see the value to security for you to be in the room, right? Security may not uh, add value to the conversation and the conversation surely might not be adding uh, value to security. So that is why you are not in the room. Um, you know, I, I've taken financial courses. I've done uh, a lot of different mathematics courses. I've done all of these different studies. I'm not in the room when they're making financial decisions and that's okay. Sometimes it might affect my budget. Sometimes it might affect some of my programs, but when I go to bring those up afterwards, I can, because we've demonstrated the value and we can very explicitly identify the value of the program that may be in jeopardy here, because we have those relationships and because we've developed that understanding with them, we can usually get them to review it. Yeah. Yeah. And because you've taken the time and investment to learn the language of the stakeholder to be able to have a conversation and not just be like, you know, I'm mad because you cut my budget, but you can put a, a, a comprehensive response of saying like, actually, maybe I only need like X percent to add this value. And this is the trade-off. If we cut by this much, then we add this risk, blah, blah, blah. Right. And there, there's a, a, a conversation that can be had and a collaboration that can happen as opposed to an argument and, and just a complaint, which, which isn't going to go anywhere. Um, well, John, I, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I think this has been a masterclass in um, one, how to develop yourself, um, how to develop and organize an organization, and then how to interact with uh, key stakeholders in a way that moves the needle forward. Um, what I loved about this is it was all advanced focused. It was all, you know, you know, kind of measuring myself against my progress. And, and with the goal in mind, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not what, it's not looking at the absence of something, but rather what I have and where I'm going and, and how I get there and who comes along with me. So I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, happy that we had the chance to have this conversation. Um, uh, I think it's going to add, you know, immense value to people who participate and listen to it. I think, you know, there's, there's more conversation to have, you know, down the road as we continue to, you know, evolve on these topics or there's a lot more depth we can go into. Um, and, and I look forward to doing that in the future. Any, any closing comments, any, you know, advice or guidance that you would give for, you know, a, a, uh, you know, kind of young leader or someone coming into the industry or recent into the industry who, who's trying to find their way. Yeah. The, the Developing yourself doesn't always have to mean throwing everything you have at something, right? So we got to where we are today, not because of every big step that we've taken, but because of every step we've taken, mm. right? So tackle those little things too. Uh, certain professional memberships can cost an arm and a leg, you know, to a lot of different organizations. Um, and that's especially true outside of security too. Some of those professional dues are, are un ungodly. Uh, but there's a lot of free ones too, right? So mm -hmm. just get out there, go to those conferences, put your time in, rub some elbows and just listen, right? Listen to the conversations that are going on and it's gonna help you to develop that language. It's going to help to better, give you a better uh, idea of what, what opportunities are out there. So uh, get out there, keep doing, keep doing what it is that you're doing, keep striving for what you wanna strive for and just uh, keep making those little steps too. I love it, man. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for um dropping all this knowledge i was i was excited from the first moment you introduced this concept to me i was so excited to get it on on uh on record so we could share it with the world uh and i know it's going to have a positive impact on many so so thank you so much um appreciate you appreciate what you do you keep doing the work too it's it's fantastic to watch i'm a fan of it and uh let's go do great things yes thank you for having me on i'm looking forward to many more conversations with you Absolutely.